On today's show, with the Houston Rockets' most recent loss against the New York Knicks, they have clinched a bottom three record in the NBA this season. We'll take a look at that and some other lottery implications as it concerns and as it pertains to the Houston Rockets. Then we also take a look at Jabari Smith Jr., how he has really started to shine to round out his rookie year. And does he have a chance to walk away with a Rookie of the Month award before the season is over, as well as his chances to make it on one of the all rookie teams. All of that and more can be right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise, then this is the game that's for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on the App Store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON. That's all caps in the game store. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor Ben DuBose. You can follow on Twitter at Ben DuBose. And I also botched the intro because he's also the host of the Logger Line podcast that you can check out wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, The Works. Go be sure to subscribe. Check out the amazing work that Ben does over there. Ben, it has been a long, grueling, arduous tumultuous, whatever adjective you want to throw in front of it, season for the Rockets. But, and I failed to mention this in our last episode, kind of sharing some thoughts and takeaways from the Knicks game, but that loss guaranteed the Rockets a bottom three record this season. They can finish no worse than bottom three. Hallelujah. Oh, my. (laughs) Raise the banner. The tank has pretty much been completed we are almost at the finish line almost the light at the end of the tunnel it's finally here man yeah absolutely and of course based on the revised lottery probabilities it's less likely than likely to get one of those top four picks that's just math it i know the rockets have gotten it the last couple of years but that's because they've defied the math for all the talk about the rockets not getting a number one pick the reality is that that's a top 11 percent outcome to get number two in 2021 and number three in 2022. The Rockets have already been pretty lucky, so perhaps they get one more round of it. That's just the reality of the new lottery odds NBA. But to maximize your odds from a season like this and really this entire window, because we knew at a macro level going in that that's what the Rockets are having to do in this 2021 to 2023 range before the pick obligations come back due to Oklahoma City. Yeah, you have to tip your hat to your organization. They did what it took. It was ugly. It's been terrible to watch, 
But in the big picture, this was what the franchise needed, and they accomplished their goal on that front. So kudos to them for that. They'll never say that on the record for obvious reasons, but we know that's from the moment they traded James Harden in January 2021. That's what these past three seasons have been about, this very limited window, and they're maximizing their odds. I hope it works out for them. At the end of the day, they still have something to play for with regards to the pick floor and that it still remains to be seen where they finish in the bottom three relative to Detroit, who they're a couple of games behind, although they play them in Houston on Friday and San Antonio, they're a game in front of. So depending on where you finish relative to the Pistons and Spurs, your floor could be at pick five or it could be at pick six or pick seven. But honestly, in a draft like this, does it matter? Yes, amongst the second tier of prospects, or I guess third tier because it's Wimby at the top and then Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in some order. Look, you would like to have your your pick of that next tier, but the reality is after those top three, it seems to be relatively flat all the way to eight or nine, according to most of the scouts that I read. The big deal is maximizing your odds at that top tier or the top two tiers, I should say. Hashtag pray for Victor, but then I'm certainly not going to turn my nose Victor. Certainly not going to turn my nose up at Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. Those are pretty lucky outcomes as well. The bottom line is that control what you can control for the true difference makers. The Rockets have done that. So from that perspective, and honestly, you know, in the big picture, regardless of whether they say it or not, that was one of the things that mattered the most going into this season. They accomplished their goal. Give them credit. And it's worth revisiting here just for anybody who isn't, you know, 100% familiar with the revamped NBA lottery odds. The bottom three teams all have the same percentage chance at a top four pick. So it's a 14% chance at the number one overall pick, a 13.4% chance at the number two overall pick, a 12.7% chance at the number three overall pick, and then a flat 12% chance at the number four overall pick. And then what ultimately varies is if you're the worst team, which currently Detroit is, you have a 47.9% chance at the fifth overall pick. That's the lowest that you can go if you're the worst team then those percentages start to split a little bit if you're where the Rockets are the second worst team 27.8% chance at pick number five with a 20% chance at pick number six and then the third worst team those odds split up a little bit further across picks five, six, and seven, a 14.8% chance at pick number five, 26% chance at pick number six, and then a 7% chance at pick number seven. I don't know who is doing the lottery odds, Ben, but I actually mm-hmm. find it kind of, uh, I appreciate the fact that it's a 7% chance at pick number seven, just a random sidebar there. But like you said, this has been what the rebuild has been all about, even though they will never say it on the record. The Rockets set out to acquire top draft assets, right? And this is what this gives them the best possible chance of doing this season. And and again, for those top two guys, right? Well, Depending on how you look at it, right? You might have Brandon Miller. You might have Scoot Henderson as your number two on your draft board. But you have roughly a 40% chance now at walking away, a guaranteed 40% chance at walking away with one of those as your your top picks this year. Yeah, and a couple other things that I'll point out about the odds. There is a small chance that you could actually have the best odds if Brooklyn ends up missing the playoffs, which looks increasingly possible because – If they are out of the playoffs and into the lottery mix, the Rockets do hold the right to swap picks with them in 2023. So if somehow Brooklyn were to end up in the top four and ahead of Houston, the Rockets could move up. That's a small chance, but it is something that if they end up missing the playoffs, you you might could add an extra two, three, four percent, whatever it is, based on the Nets being the first or second team at the, I guess, base of the odds chart, if you will. 
So there's a chance, and the Rockets do play in Brooklyn tonight, so we'll see how that turns out. But if the Nets miss the playoffs, the, the Rockets could actually further increase their odds to where they're at the forefront of the list. Still pretty small, but if you can move that 40% to 42, 43, something like that, you're certainly not going to turn it down because, again, getting one of those true difference makers to pair with Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. as the cornerstones of your rebuild, that's that's a really big deal. So, again, it, it absolutely matters. And with regards to the floor odds, it's also worth noting that there's a lot of variance depending on who jumps you. Because what people don't always think about in these scenarios is that if the Rockets are the second or third worst team and fall to six or seven, then people way off the radar are jumping into that Scoot, Brandon Miller, even Victor Wimbenyama tier. Because if the teams that are also in the bottom three, like Detroit and San Antonio, end up getting lottery picks like we all expect, all the mock drafts go by record at this point, or at least most of them do, then the Rockets would be picking at five if they don't win one of the lottery picks, and the floor doesn't matter. The only way the floor matters is if lots of teams end up jumping the Houston, Detroit, San Antonio tier at the bottom. And so you have people completely off the radar that end up getting the big-name prospects, that top three. So there's some really, really potentially interesting implications there. And, of course, it varies depending on – I guess if it's good for the Rockets, it depends on whether it's an Eastern Conference team or a Western Conference team in terms of who lands those guys. But there could ultimately be a lot of chaos in the NBA if the pick floor scenarios come into play. It's certainly possible with the math. I'm aware of that. But it's just something that I think people should perhaps think about a little more because, again, if the Rockets fall a bit to six or seven to some of the more dire scenarios, if you will, then it means there's been some total chaos in the lottery. It's not like you have Victor going to Detroit and Scoot going to San Antonio. It's going to be something completely off the radar. And so perhaps prepare yourself for that when you're thinking about these scenarios. And there's one more point here to make is it's not actually the end of the world if the Rockets don't land one of the top two picks because depending on who does land at pick number two, one, there's enough of an argument now between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson that whoever does find themselves at pick number two probably has a legitimate choice to make between those two guys, but it also depends who lands at pick number two, right? If Detroit lands at the number two overall pick, Brandon Miller, if he's a close enough prospect to Scoot Henderson in their book, it makes much more sense for them to take Brandon Miller because they already have a Cade Cunningham. If Indiana jumps up into the lottery and they have the number two overall pick, does it really make sense to take Scoot Henderson if you already have Tyrese Halliburton or the Charlotte Hornets for that matter with LaMelo Ball? So whoever does land at pick number two, it might not be the end of the world and the Rockets yeah. may still be able to walk away with what were, again, the two one of the two top consensus guys in Victor and Scoot at the top of the draft depending on who actually lands at number two. Because, again, I'm not sold on Brandon Miller being the number two guy yet. I still have him, Victor, Scoot, mm. Brent Miller in that order. I'd be very happy with Miller as a consolation prize at pick number three. But all that being said, Ben, you want to run a tankathon spin? Let's do it. All right. It's about that time. we got to fire one up. Let's see where they're at. So the Rockets do currently have the second best odds. What are you feeling, Ben? Are you feeling you think it's going to stay pick number two, go up to one, down? I'm going to say five because I already did one this morning, and I came in at five. Ooh, okay. All right. So so, ben, so Ben's cheating the odds a little bit. He's like, I already burned a tankathon spin. First, Ben's like, I wake up every morning and burn a tankathon spin before I start my day. Although I will say after the tournament, I've come around on Jarris Walker a lot. I love the little things, the intangibles, the defense he brings. So I would not i mean obviously i would hate it because you're not getting the top prospect but i'm coming around on him in that you know four to six range if you will walker would be interesting all right i i'm gonna you know what i'm feeling i'm feeling good today ben for victor it's coming in at number one here we go let's run the odds and 
Oh, okay. Well, I think your tankathon spin infected my tankathon spin because oh. it clocked in at number five. Oh. With that, it's you know, sa- you know, it might be Walker. That's you know, we'll 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 we'll, de- we'll debate this on later draft episodes, but it, you know, it could be a good consolation prize. On that note, let's co- coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about Jabari Smith Jr.'s progress here to end the season. What are the chances of him walking away with the end of season Rookie of the Month award, as well as his chances to make an All Rookie team? We're going to talk about that, as well as the latest ESPN Stephen Silas article. Get some thoughts from Ben on that front as well. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Look, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the best mobile game that I have played in a long time. I always thought that I could be a fantastic NBA GM, but it actually is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. If you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, players, coaches, all that kind of stuff, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Me and the other Locked On hosts, we've already made ourselves a little Pro Basketball GM league. We've been super competitive with one another, talking a lot of trash in our in our group chat and it has been a ton of fun. So you You've got to go check it out. Locked on Rockets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com, Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, the the thing, the story that's been kind of going amongst Rockets fans these last 24 hours or so, been the whole, it wasn't even a story about Steven Silas. It was a story about Jabari Smith Jr. And in it, there was this little anecdote, this little sidebar about Steven Silas you know, breaking down into tears after a game because he felt he couldn't reach his players. And this was written by ESPN's Brian Winhorst. And this turned out to be a completely inaccurate fact, a falsehood, because this moment that Winhorst had decided to include in his article was not anywhere from this season. It wasn't even from last season. It was from over two years ago, back in 2021. The 20-game losing streak. Yeah. And so... the press conference after. I, look, I know I I went to school. I studied journalism. I know you did as well. I I really did struggle to kind of wrap my head around how how many layers, how many different security checks this had to fall through for this to yeah. make it through. I mean, you know, Winhorse had to include it in the article. Then they had to make it through the editor at ESPN, and then it, it got published. And then not only that, it did the rounds all through a, an entire business day before the correction yeah. was published. And even then, it was published as a little footnote, like, "Hey, oh, sorry guys, we we messed up here in the story." And it really does kind of change the context and paint a very different picture yeah. about Stephen Silas and the the struggles that this Rockets team has fa- have faced this season. When you take it out of context in the greater, you know, greater a lens of the story yeah for sure and it's been quite a week at espn by the way it's not a it's not a coincidence that i'm wearing a 2022 world series champs hoodie 
because, and this was much more harmless, but the night before live on SportsCenter, they were reading a promo for Major League Baseball's opening day, which is actually Thursday at Minute Maid Park in Houston, where the Astros will raise the banner. And they read the promo, your World Series champion or defending World Series champion, Houston Rockets. And I literally fell out of my chair. I was like, what the hell? And of course, that's a live read. This is a much more egregious when we're talking about the Brian Windhorst story in terms of the violation. But it's been a week for uh, for ESPN. So as the hoodie indicates, shout out to the uh, defending World Series champion, Houston Rockets. We did it, Jackson. We made it through the rebuild. Rafael Stone built a champion. The Raise the won banner. The World Series. Raise yes. the banner. And at the bottom of the banner, I wanted to say, "Pray for Victor." It's got. Yeah. It's got. We've got to have the "Pray for Victor" yeah. banner included somehow. But look, on a more serious note, to talk about the Windhor story, it's unfortunate because certainly it reflected poorly, not just on Stephen. The anecdote was about him, but when it went viral on all the aggregator accounts. We saw Jalen and KPJ taking shots. Look at what these guys have done to Steven, and none of it was even true. And it's just very unfortunate. You know, we think about Steven, but there's ripple effects. You know, there were so many shots taken at people throughout the organization over something that ended up not being true. Now, first off, in fairness to Brian Windhorse, as you mentioned, it was not the point of the story he was writing. It was about Jabari Smith Jr. I think he actually viewed it as something of a positive. What he was trying to do was use a couple of small examples. He also threw in Eric Gordon's New Year's Eve comments about there not being any improvement to illustrate that the situation in Houston has not been ideal. Everybody knows how bad this team is. And so that's perhaps why it took Jabari Smith Jr. a bit longer than many of us anticipated to get going the way he has since the All-Star break. That was the point of what Brian Windhorst was trying to write. It wasn't like he was presenting it as oh, I have a scoop about Steven Silas breaking down and players not listening to him. That's just the way it got repackaged on third-party aggregation sites. Brian Windhorst did not go into that maliciously. I know that he has a good relationship with Steven Silas going back to when Silas was an assistant on the Cavaliers 20 years ago when LeBron came into the league and Windhorst was following the Cavs. This was not intentional. So, I think that's important to keep in mind. It's a mistake, absolutely. He apologized. Perhaps he should face some sort of accountability measure from his bosses at ESPN. All of that is fair to say. Just understand that it was not a malicious mistake. It's it's a big one, and unfortunately, it happened. But I don't think that Brian went into it you know, with any ill intent towards Steven Silas or the Rockets as a franchise. That said, the other point that I would want to make on this, I do think that some of the national reporting – it's very easy for a team like the Rockets or, you know, you can throw the Pistons and Spurs into the mix as well. The Pacers teams at, you know, the bottom of the league. Let's just be real. The guys nationally like Brian Windhorst do not have time to watch a lot of Houston Rockets basketball. There are 30 teams in the league. This is not going to be a priority for them. And so as a reader, as a listener, I do think fans should keep that in mind. Whenever I'm on Twitter or on blogs, I often see... I suppose, the hazards of relying on local reporting pointed out. That is, you know, people locally, including us, are so dependent on the Rockets for access to do our jobs that, you know, it gets pointed out a lot that the local people may not want to be too critical because if the organization is really livid at them, then it could make it very difficult, not impossible, but a lot harder to do their jobs. And so the implication is that local reporting might be tilted 
a bit too positively. You're just a mouthpiece for the organization, Ben. Stop it. Yeah. And we hear that argument a lot. And I'm not going to say there's nothing to it. I think a lot of it is overdone. I don't think the Rockets have been, you know, nothing to the level of banned McMahon, which, you know, came from the Mavericks temporarily not giving credentials at all to who uh, Tim McMahon and uh, Mark Stein at the behest of Mark Cuban. And that's, and that was a short-term measure, but look, that's what people fear. And we hear that argument put out a lot on social media that, oh, you shouldn't trust the local reporting because these guys are so dependent on the team for access. And so the reporting is going to be too tilted in the direction of the team. It's I, can't, fair... I can't wait. I can't wait to rename the show Band Locked on Rockets. It's going to be yeah. so fantastic. <laughs> it's a fair point. But again, it can be overdone. The flip side is that nationally, there are so many people that, you know, they cover the league as a whole. And so from time to time, they're going to be asked to talk about teams like the Rockets, yet they do not have the time to regularly stay in touch with what's happening on a day in, day out basis. So things run together in their minds. In this case, it was an honest mistake. Brian Windhorst was thinking of the press conference where Stephen got emotional. It just so happened it was over two years ago. But he blended it together because, let's be real, the last three years, as we mentioned in segment one, talking about you know maximizing their lottery odds three straight years, some of this does run together. We knew going in what this would be like, and it's generally played out that way. And it just ran together in his mind. And you know it was an honest mistake that just unfortunately had consequences, especially when it got repackaged into looking like it was a bigger deal than he intended it to be. But I think nationally, this can happen because they're not tuned in every game to the Rockets. So when something like that happens, or, you know, we talked about it with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr., the postgame incident from New Year's Day 2022, that stuff sticks around because guys are not tuned in to the Rockets every day to notice if the landscape might change. Now, that's not saying that, you should tune out the national media. Absolutely not, because they do have resources that many of us on the ground, including both of us, do not have. Their platforms give them access to sources at the league level and especially to agents that we just don't have. They have numbers in their Rolodex. They get calls returned that we don't. And so there is value to them. But just as there might be limitations to the local guys in some situations, there's limitations to the national guys too. They are not as dialed in as we are. So sometimes it can be, as I pointed out on Twitter, like a game of telephone where, you know, you just hear something and you take it as fact without truly verifying it, because let's just be honest, these guys don't really care. The Rockets are not a priority and understandably so. So in my opinion, again, there's limits to both ways. We hear about it locally a lot, but there's limits to the national reporting as well. In my opinion, the best way to look at these scenarios is just basically parts of a broader story. And in my opinion, the best model is actually what we see the athletic do on larger stories, like the Harden piece that Kelly Eco and Sam Amick put out a couple of weeks ago that was co-authored by them. Kelly basically presenting the local perspective from Houston, Sam a bit more national league wide. To me, that's the best way to handle it because you can actually balance out those competing interests and present the full picture. When it's just part of it, again, we hear the limitations of local reporting a lot. Oh, you're just a mouthpiece, as you said earlier. But there's limits to the national side, too. And I think that's what this reflects. Brian Windhorst is just a symptom of what I think is, you know, a larger problem. Guys are not focused on the Rockets day in, day out, yet they are asked from time to time to comment about them. And so this is going to happen. And so I don't, you know, it'd be way too simplistic to say, yeah, just ignore it. Uh, the people nationally don't have any credibility. No, that's not true. But just as the local guys might be a bit colored in one direction on certain subjects, 
the same could be true nationally, just in a different direction. And so as with most things, the truth is somewhere in the middle and you just need to keep the, I guess, the competing dynamics in mind. I think it's a really fantastic set of points there, Ben. In fact, I'm actually, I'm going to DM Windhorst. uh, So I'm going to replace you with him starting next week. That way we can have kind of the athletic, you know, local beat reporter angle and then the the national guy. So um, pack your bags, buddy. You're no kidding. Um, Oh my. On on that point, uh, the heart of what Windhorst was trying to get at was Jabari Smith Jr. and his recent success, his progress as of late. We're going to talk about that and his chances to walk away with the Rookie of the Month award for the end of the season, as well as what things are looking like as far as the all-rookie teams are concerned. We're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at FanDuel. We are in the final stretch of the NBA season, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spread to which teams are going to make it to the NBA Finals. Right now, you can check out those odds specifically over at FanDuel, the Milwaukee Bucks, the favorites, plus 240 to actually win it all, to win the NBA title this season. The Boston Celtics right behind them at plus 330. Phoenix Suns at plus 700. The Denver Nuggets at plus 800. And then rounding out the top five, you got the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden himself at plus 1100. So for all those odds and more, be sure to check out FanDuel. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet to up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, one of the best most, you know, one of the best outcomes to this point in the season has been Jabari Smith Jr. and his play as of late, right? He really feels like he's coming into his own as a player. He looks Mm. more confident with the shooting. Uh, You know, the numbers, obviously, uh, on the season as a whole are going to probably still be bad by year's end just because it's been such a rough and tumble season for the most part. But when you look at his production and just how he looks, he just looks completely different, like a completely different player on the court yeah. post-All-Star break. It really is. This is the version of Jabari Smith Jr. that we kind of thought that we were going to be getting right out of the gate. But in addition to some of the things that he's been delivering on, like the defense, the the rebounding, the shooting that we thought were going to be immediately translatable skills, he's also added things like just his comfortability with the basketball, right? He looks mm. far and away more comfortable putting the ball on the floor floor and making yeah. something happen either attacking closeouts yeah just it just he just looks like a more complete all-around player now than he did earlier this season or when he was you know when he was playing good basketball back at Auburn he was still very limited in how he did certain things on the floor Auburn was just really really good at masking those limitations so as we're approaching this you know end of the season I mean first off I I, I think there's a legitimate shot for him to walk away with the Rookie of the Month award to end the season. I, I mean, he's really crept up on a lot of people's radars as far as just his likelihood to make an all-rookie team as well. I, I mean, at, at one point, if you'd asked either one of us a month ago, I feel like we would have said Tari Eason had a better shot to make an all-rookie team than Jabari. But because of how strong he's come yeah. on as of late, I think Jabari's at least going to walk away with an all-rookie 
second team second selection team. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty realistic. I'd be a bit surprised if he gets the rookie of the month simply because of Jalen Williams and the fact that Jalen Williams is putting up his numbers in a playoff race. I know things the last few games have sort of gone the wrong direction for the Thunder, but the bottom line is to put up those numbers in games that are meaningful and that people are watching on a much more broad basis than the Rockets. I still think Jalen Williams is the favorite. But yeah, Jabari has turned some heads. I don't know that he'll get quite the accolades that Jalen Green did this time a year ago because I just think that when you're a team as bad as the Rockets, the fact that Jalen's streak of 30-plus point games was historic, that's the type of thing that it takes to turn heads when you're a team like the Rockets. And when so you're competing Jab with a winning, impactful player like Herb Jones for the oh, all-rookie oh, selection. <laughs> yeah. Well, Can we, that's such a... I can't believe that was even an uh, even an argument at this point last season where oh, it, was, yeah, it was, oh, who are we, Herb Jones or Jalen Green for well, all-rookie first team? Well, like, the, the irony of that whole debate, Jackson, is that the, the final margins between Jalen and Herb for first team were not even that close. Like, it felt much closer than it was because I think Twitter skews, especially towards one demographic. There's, you know, a group of very analytically friendly bloggers that will tilt towards some of the on-off metrics, which, you know, we've talked about the limitations of those in the past, and certainly they apply to Jalen and Herb. Just look at the players they're surrounded by and the infrastructure around them. But the league as a whole, that 125-person or whatever it is voting panel, I want to say it was something like 70-30 in terms of the split. 70% for Jalen to about 30% for Herb Jones. It really wasn't even that close compared to if you looked on social media, you would have thought it was a 50-50 barn burner or perhaps even tilted towards Herb Jones. To me, one of the interesting interesting things to take out of you know all the discussion a year ago was just how much Twitter can be tilted towards one side of a given debate. In reality... The voters are real hoopers. They know ball. Yeah, <laughs> there was a silent Jalen Green majority. But uh, no, the reason I think that that might not apply to the same extent with Jabari Smith Jr., I think the reason that so-called silent majority exists is that Jalen just did some things that stood out numerically in a way that even with people not watching the Rockets stands out. People say, wow, this is something that really, really should be commended because it's that rare. And with Jabari, it's just been more of a consistent upturn in a number of areas. And you look at the numbers and they don't jump off the page. They're pretty good, but it's just... You know, if you're watching the games, you're very optimistic about it. I just don't know that it'll have quite the same just eye-popping characteristic that Jalen Stretch did this time a year ago. Now, one of the You say that and watch Jabari reel off seven games of 30-plus, and then you're just, like, yeah. eating your words? Like, no, I mean, that's, True. Not, that's not going to Well, happen. I mean, it's theoretically possible. No, I mean, you, there is something still to watch for, so... It's it, possible, but not probable. Oh, there we yeah, go. There we go. No, but one of the things about the Windhorst article that, you know, it was a shame that... It got buried amid the Stephen Silas gate, if you will, and or I guess we should call it cry gate. When did he cry? How come much on? Did you're missing cry? it, Ben. It's right there. It's on the table for you. I'll give you one more chance to get it right. The Stephen. What? Cryless gate. Come oh, on. Wow. It's right there. It was right there, man. Oh, <laughs> that's why you're the king, dude. You're you are the pun king. So. Yeah, I can't match you Pod, on that. Podfather and Pun King. What? A, yeah. What? Look at us. Who, who, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, unstoppable duo. But yeah, regardless of what you think about that, whether Stephen cried, when he cried, did he cry in Kevin Porter Jr.'s arms? There's so many hypothetical scenarios that got thrown out. And of course, it was all based on faulty reporting. The point of the article was about Jabari Smith Jr. and his growth. And the quote that really stood out to me it was actually from Steven Silas, but about Jabari. He was the one saying, come on, guys, lock in. We're only going to do a couple things. Let's stay in. Let's lock in, stay together, 
And then when we would mess something up, he'd be like, no, let's do it again. That is what Jabari Smith Jr. brings to the Rockets. And that's why Rockets fans were so excited about him last summer. It's not just what he brings as a six foot 11 shooter, defender, floor spacer. It's the intangibles. It's all the things that we have heard about the Rockets culture. Are they dialed in? Do they have the right leaders and accountability? Jabari was the perfect blend on paper for what this team needed. He does so many of the little things that we would like to see more of. And who knows, maybe some of these other prospects develop into that over time. But Jabari Smith Jr., even at 19 years old, he is already that guy. He is already that dialed in on an every possession basis. It's just for the first two thirds of this season, he shot so terribly that it didn't matter. You can do all the little things right. And if you just can't make an open jumper and you're providing no value, and at some point that's kind of basically discourage your own confidence as well, then ultimately you're not going to be a positive for your team. And but- I, I I do want to chime in. I think it's worth noting on that point, Ben, right? I think the, the him not being able to throw a rock into an ocean was also negatively impacting some of his leadership qualities because we right. did see points this season where he Bingo. was, you know, he would have a blown defensive coverage and he'd be barking at Shingoon on the back line or complaining or doing this, that, and the other thing. And I think some of that was was messing up his confidence as far as just, yeah. okay, I'm struggling. Oh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it out on somebody else. And that's yeah, you know, that's not for, who he is. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough for you to be the accountability figure when you're not holding up and you're not pulling up your weight that guys are going to look at you and say, dude, just make an open jumper. It's hard for you to do the the leadership things when you're not doing the basic things like making a wide open shot or at least a few of them from time to time to help your team win. So it's yeah, funny because the- we can point to the exact same thing that happened with Chris Paul and James Harden, right? Chris Paul wanted to be the accountability officer and he was struggling and yeah, James was like turning was his nose up at him like, eh, well, why, why am I going to listen to you? You're not even hitting shots. Yeah, like, yeah you, can't, you can't meet your man off the dribble. Yeah, that's what it came down to in year two. Um, and some of that, of course, was injury related as we learned after the fact. But yeah, it's tough for Chris Paul to be the accountability guy when he's not pulling his weight as a player. And so what's really exciting about this stretch from Jabari, now that things are finally going his way and shots are going back in, you know, not at an elite rate, but a good enough rate, is that it unlocks the other elements of his game as well. The leadership, the accountability, the little things that he can do on the practice court and timeout during the game. That's what's really exciting to me is that he is really a perfect piece for what this Rockets team needed. And there's a reason why we were so excited about him over the offseason. It's not just Jabari Smith, the player. It's Jabari Smith, the leader, all the little things that he does that are really the complete 180 degree opposite of so many of the criticisms of the Houston Rockets the last couple of years. It's just, again, for most of the season, when he struggled the way he has, he hasn't gotten to fully unlock that version of himself because, again, I think the Chris Paul, James Harden dynamic is a good parallel. It's something similar, albeit on a much smaller scale he feels sort of burdened by the fact that he just needs to see something go right. Now that he is seeing things go right, then it's making him a lot more free to step up and do things in other areas of the game as well. And so that's the kind of little thing. Will it get him awards votes? Will it get him on, you know, the first team, the second team, will it get him rookie of the month? I don't know about that because it's something that you sort of have to be dialed in on a much more regular basis than many of the voters are to truly appreciate But in the big picture, as Rockets fans, as people that want this franchise to do well, it's really important because, again, part of the value equation for Jabari, it's a bit different than Jalen Green. With Jalen Green, it's always been about just his insane talent and whether he can fully harness it 
and take advantage of his just remarkable gifts. I'm not going to say that Jabari is talentless. Clearly, there are things he brings. But part of what made him a top three talent in the 2022 draft was the intangibles. It was a combination of the things that he can do. And we all knew his limitations. He's been a bit better than expected, but he's still, you know, a little stiff. He's not really the typical top three guy when it comes to shot creation and being able to just take over games off the dribble as a scorer. Although, boy, at six foot 11, and maybe he's still growing. Maybe you don't have to be. Maybe you can just rise and fire over a lot of guys, and that can be your shot creation. But the bottom line is the value equation for Jabari was the combination of his gifts with all the intangibles, the leadership, the little things. And it just becomes much more difficult for those things to be fully brought out when you can't throw a rock into the ocean. And so now that he's having much more normal shooting, I think it's unlocking all the other elements of his game as well. And that's where that Wentworth article was really useful. And I feel bad that you know we're going to remember it based on that Silas anecdote that turned out not to be true because I actually think the Silas quote that I just read you about Jabari is far more important because, you know, some of these intangibles, look, we can see some of them on the court, but a lot of it, we don't actually see them. They happen behind the scenes, in the locker room, on the practice court, places that we, for the most part, are not as media members. So we hope they're happening. We think based on reports that they should be, but we're sort of taking a leap of faith. And that quote from Stephen, to me, is as close to confirmation as you'll get that, yes, all those things we've talked about that based on his track record, all the prior reporting should be happening. Guess what? They are starting to happen. And so to me, that should be the bigger takeaway from the Windhorst article, which was really positive for Jabari Smith Jr. and by extension, the future of the Rockets. Unfortunately, it's going to be remembered for, you know, Silas Gate, but... It is what it is. Missed it again. Cryless Gate, Ben. Come Cryless on. Gate. It was right there. Well, no, I was um, trying to be generous to Steven, but yeah. Okay. All right. Well, again, it, it, you know, it, it, we, we had fun with the puns here in this episode. And you're right. It, it, again, there is a lot of positivity. And th- that's that's the one thing where I think that award, right, whether he, you know, I think at this point he's probably a lock for all rookie second team, honestly, unless he just completely plummets too. here in these final games. Final yeah, because games. people forget the counting stats are okay. We've been so focused on the efficiency all year that he's not shooting as well as he should. But look, there's not that many rookies that are putting up numbers better than, you know, 12, 13 points, seven rebounds a game. Those counting stats, I know, you know, especially on Twitter, we look much more towards efficiency, but the counting stats do matter to some degree, especially because for rookies, for the most part, guys are not focusing as much because so many are on bad teams. So yeah, Jabari does have a high floor. I agree. I'd be stunned if he misses the second team simply because he's got enough counting stats to be relevant. And a big part of that is just he's been getting more minutes than some of the other guys, right? right. I mean, well, just, you know, if you're getting a brunt of the minutes, you're going to have better counting stats, even if the efficiency metrics don't exactly match up or if they're not quite to where you yeah. would hope they would be. But again, a strong end of the year for Jabari Smith Jr. And you know, getting one, if not both of those awards, right? Again, it feels like play, you know. A rookie of the month is probably a bit out of reach here at the end of the season unless Jalen Williams stumbles in catastrophic fashion to close things out for the Thunder. Um, getting one of those awards, just all it does is it just cements. It cements the work, and it gives you more hope moving forward, right? That's exactly Definitely. what the 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 end-of-season burst did for Jalen is the we we as fans, uh, every you know, media members, whatever, we all went into the offseason thinking, wow, Jalen just did something, right? There, there's something there, right? Concrete, we saw it. Oh my God, we're excited for next year, right? Excited about what this offseason is going to bring, how he builds on that. And that's exactly what we're getting now with Jabari. He's closing off his rookie year strong. What are the possibilities in the future? Yeah, and I would say that perception is even more important this summer when you're going to have $60 million in cap room, give or take. We've talked about the importance of perception a lot when it comes to 
you know, the decision they ultimately make with Steven Silas, do they bring him back to look on the coaching market and some of these national narratives that we've done recent shows about the reason fair or unfair that this stuff matters is that this is a summer in which perception is uniquely important to this franchise because they need to be seen as desirable externally to, I guess, get the help they need to start turning things around next season when we know they intend to win. Well, part of being seen as attractive externally, look, Jalen's turned heads. I'm not going to say that he's a finished product, not even close, but you know, we saw the accolades that he got at the end of last year, and he's had a really good stretch since coming back at the end of February, and hopefully that continues to finish out this year. Now you combine that with Jabari Smith Jr. looking a lot better, looking a lot healthier, looking like the guy that we were excited to draft at number three overall. When I say we, I mean Rockets fans, really, Rockets Nation, whatever you want to call them. People were thrilled with that pick for a reason. And so that's the kind of thing that can turn heads around the league. And it's not going to make the Rockets all of a sudden be seen as a team that's right on the cusp. No, they're still rebuilding. But what you want is the Rockets just not to be seen as a tire fire. You want them to be seen as just a normal, young, rebuilding team. That They're struggling, but hey, young teams do struggle. That's what happens when you're playing guys that are 19, 20, 21 years old for the vast majority of your rotation. The bottom line is they're young, they're taking their lumps, but you have guys like Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. that are clear building blocks that have hope of being really good players in the NBA. And if you can just go perception-wise from being seen as an absolute dumpster fire to just more of a standard, hey, this team is bad, but they're young, it comes with the territory, just that small distinction can potentially mean a lot entering an offseason where you need to be viewed on the market certainly with free agents and trade targets and maybe the coaching market as well, you need to be seen as desirable. And Jabari Smith Jr. finishing the season strong, that's one of those little things that can help you, not just in terms of his development, but in terms of how it positions the franchise on a broader level as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And this has been, I, I feel like this has been a thorough episode kind of going over what, I want. this is one of the most optimistic episodes we've had in a while, Ben, because again, the, the Rockets future is pretty bright, all things considered. I know it's been a lot of doom and gloom over these last three seasons, but we are right there at the tail end, clinched the bottom three record, Jabari's looking good, the future is looking bright. Those are the important takeaways. Yep. On that note, Ben, let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep, Ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, and RocketsWire.usatoday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.